Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. All right, uh, if we're going to be in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 15 today, can you believe it? We're working our way through this book, and I uh, hope this has been encouraging to you. You know, a lot of time when we study the book of Revelation, we look at some of the things, we try to make sense out of things that really don't matter, and there becomes a lot of work put into uh, certain things that... Uh, uh, we're not sure. Not everything, not everything we're going to understand through this book. Sometimes we guess. Sometimes we look at what our uh, uh, society looks like and we just kind of imagine this must be what it is. And, and uh, the closer we get to this event, I think the more real it's going to become. The, the mark of the beast, the one world economy, the one world religion, all of these things that we kind of see taking place right now. This, uh, this past week, we installed uh, or installing cameras on the outside of our property and in the inside and, and uh, a reader to be able to, no more keys, it's just a card to get in the door. And I thought to myself, we are, we're participating in this mark. I'm just waiting for one of these guys to say, here, put that mark on your hand or your forehead. And uh, they said this to me, you know, we can, with this video system, you can find a face and then ask the whoever, I'm not sure who we asked, um, somebody that's inside of our computers, um, <laughs> show me every time this face has been on our property. This car pulls on our property. Tell me, show me every time this technology is amazing. I had this little card. It's just a little card. There's no strip on it, nothing. And you just touch this card to this, little reader and the doors unlock. I mean, technology is amazing. And we see, we're going to see this used as we get into this end times, the, the, uh, the dragon, the, 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 the um, uh, antichrist. And, and we see this in our generation. We, we can see this some 30, 40, 50 years ago. The thought of these things were just, they were dreams. Uh, how could this ever happen? And now we see this reality. I believe this, church. We're closer to the coming of Christ than we've ever been. And it could be. It could be today. There's nothing in the scripture that has to happen in order for the return of Christ. There's no prophecy that still must be fulfilled. Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And we need to be ready for this. We're working our way through the book of Revelation. We come to chapter 15. And in chapter number 15, we are studying right in the middle of this great tribulation. Matter of fact, we're coming to the end of the great tribulation. We're actually, believe it or not, coming to the end of this study just a few weeks away. We're in chapter 15 and 16 today. We're coming to the, to the conclusion of this great tribulation. All of the judgment of God is being poured out upon this earth. Let's pick up reading in verse number one. I know we were in chapter 15 last week. I'm going to touch on 15 and move into 16 here today. 
But I saw another sign in heaven, verse 1 of chapter 15. Great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues. Here's the, we've seen the trumpets, we've seen all of the, the plagues that have happened and all of the judgments that have been poured out during the tribulation. John says, I'm seeing another sign. Here's the last of these plagues are about to happen. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now, I want you to understand and realize God, through up and through this time, he is still showing mercy. The 144,000 that we looked at is still preaching and proclaiming the gospel. People are still trusting Christ as their Savior. And during the time of this great tribulation, there's great persecution that's happening to those that are not taking the mark of the beast. They're being persecuted. They're being martyred. The, those that are trusting Christ as their Savior are being attacked and being sought after and being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And God is coming to a place that he is mercy and his grace. He is showing that to this world. But now we come to a place where God's wrath, God has had enough. Now his children are being martyred. They're being persecuted. He says in verse number two, and I saw as it were a, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servants of God. And the song of the Lamb saying, great and marvelous are the works Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. As God, here in chapter 16, as God is going to pour out these plagues, this wrath here upon this earth, these vials upon this earth, there's an event that's taking place. These martyrs, these that have not taken the, 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 the mark of the beast, these that have overcome that, that have been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ, there's a, a special event taking place in heaven. They said, the Bible says they're singing the song of Moses, the, the servants of God. I want us to see this victory today. There's two victories that I want us to see. The first one today is victory singing of the redeeming works of God, the redeeming works of God. We're going to see two things here today. The first thing I want us to see is the, the redeeming works of God, this song that they begin to sing, the song of Moses. Now, I want to think back through this song of Moses. What was this song? Back in the book of Exodus, we would find where the children of Israel are in bondage. If you were to study, we won't take the time, but back in Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt and in the plagues, God pours his wrath out upon Pharaoh. Remember, it was Pharaoh that said this, I'm going to kill the, 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 the new babies here that are born. I don't want the, the children of Israel to become strong and overtake Egypt. And so he shed the innocent blood of children there in Israel. Moses was the one that uh, was able to escape that and became a great leader there and, and began to lead the people of Israel out of bondage of, of Egypt. And, and they come through the Red Sea and, and they, they believe this, that, that all is lost. 
They come to this place where they're faced with the Red Sea and they're faced with Pharaoh's army and it it almost seems hopeless. But God opens up that Red Sea and the Bible says they walk over on dry ground. And so they were redeemed because of the blood that was placed upon the doorpost. And, And then they walk through on dry ground that Red Sea. And that Red Sea then comes and, 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 uh, falls upon the, the, the Pharaoh's army and kills Pharaoh's army. And as the people of Israel are coming through that Red Sea on the other side and they're remembering all that God did, that God redeemed them from their enemies. God redeemed them because of the the blood that was shed there uh, and placed upon their doorposts. God redeemed them. They began to sing the song of redemption. I want you to imagine 600,000 men. We're not sure of the number of women and children, but 600,000 men singing this song of redemption. How beautiful that must have been. And here John is referring to that same song. It's a song of redemption, the song of Moses and the Lamb. Listen to me, we, we, uh, uh, we, we have a song in our heart because God has redeemed us. They sing as they came through this Red Sea. God, God parted that sea and these 600,000 men begin to sing with a song how great God's redemption is. God redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, heaven's going to be a wonderful place because when we get there, we are going to sing. You might not like singing now, but you are going to sing the precious blood of the Lamb. You are going to sing. If you are redeemed, you will sing when you see the Lamb face to face and realize what Jesus Christ has done for you. He shed his blood and you are now in the presence of God for all of eternity because of that shed blood. We will sing. When I was uh, in third grade, we lived in Pelston, Michigan, up way up north in Michigan. My dad went up and helped start a church there in a Christian school, and I used to sit right on the front row, and I would sing as loud as I could sing. I mean, I would just belt it out. And I'll never forget the fella that was standing next to me, he now pastors the church. He's been there all these years. He pastors the church there. He looked at me. I I looked at him and he had his finger in his ear. (laughs) I was standing there. And and I thought, oh, he just wants to hear me sing. And so I sang even louder. And I'll never forget this. He looked at me after a couple songs. He said, would you hush up? I was devastated. I'll never forget that. This week, I got a text from this guy. Oh, I mean, third grade, that was four or five years ago. <laughs> a long time ago. But he texts me. I guess he never forgot it either. He has a Christian school up there in Michigan, and he said this, I'm sitting in school chapel, and my heart is grieved. None of the children are singing. He said, God reminded me all those years ago. Do you remember when you were sitting on the front row and I told you to hush up? He apologized to me. He said, I am sorry I ever told you to do that because what I realized is God was doing something in your heart 
And I never would want to discourage that. You know, he realized people that love God, they sing. They have a song. Here in this book, we find they are going to stand before God. And I want you to see something. They're not complaining about the situation they found themselves in. You don't find here in Revelation chapter 15 where they become critical. You don't find them questioning God. God, why would you allow me to go through these things? Why would you do this? That terrible antichrist, that terrible dragon, that terrible beast. I can't believe this. Look what they've done to us. No, you don't find them complaining about what they they went through. You find them rejoicing in victory, singing in victory, because they understand they have been redeemed. God's children, listen to me. We have complained enough about our situation. We have complained enough about the world's condition. We have complained enough about our trials and and our difficulties. It's time the children of God stand up and say, I am not going to complain. I am going to sing because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. You know, the first song recorded in the Bible is the song of Moses. The last song recorded in the Bible is the song of the Lamb. And both of those songs are about redemption. This Bible, both songs speak of redemption. You see, the way we celebrate the Lord Jesus is to sing of his works. If you are here today and you have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you have something to rejoice in. You have something to be thankful for. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you have been redeemed, we are to praise the Lord. What ought to make a Christian different from every other religion? What ought to make a Christian different from every other person in this world? What ought to, what ought to set the Christian apart from every other person is the joy we have in our heart, the song that we sing, because we have been redeemed. It is praise to God that proceeds and follows from every victory. I believe this, you'll have victory if you sing. And if you have victory, you will sing. God, God have mercy on us if we keep from singing. You know, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they were trying to decide which, which tribe would go in first. How many of you remember that story? It came to realize, well, we're going to send Judah into the promised land first. You know why they sent Judah into the promised land first, I believe? Because Judah means to praise. They entered into the promised land praising. They entered into the promised land singing. They entered into the promised land with a song. Why? Because they realized they have been redeemed because of the blood. They've been redeemed uh, from, 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 from uh, Pharaoh. They've been redeemed in the God. They are God's chosen people. And as they entered into the land that God had promised them, they went in with praise on their lips. Judah led the people of Israel into the promised land. Oh, I'm simply saying that as we serve the Lord, as we live here upon this earth, as these here that we find, instead of complaining about the situation they found them in, they had a song on their lips and a song in their hearts because they've been redeemed. 
I think of Acts chapter 16. If you were to go to Acts 16, verse 22 to 26, you find a, a story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in a, in a place called Philippi. And as they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were jailed, but not only placed in prison, the Bible tells us this, they were beaten. They, they, their backs were bloodied. Their backs were whipped. They were beaten. They were thrown into jail. It, it's, not, it's not like today making sure that their needs are all met. No, they were, they were humiliated. The purpose was to embarrass them and humiliate them so they would stop doing what they were doing. It was to punish them. And as, as, as we find Paul and Silas in that jail cell, beaten, bloodied, hurting, in verse number 25, the Bible says at midnight, they begin to sing a song. I, I, I just wonder, I wonder what would have happened if the jailer would have heard them over, uh, uh, overheard them complaining. Because the Bible tells us this, it was the jailer that heard them singing. It was the jailer that saw the, heard the song on their, on their lips, the joy in their heart, and, and that earthquake came, and, and that jailer said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Oh, so often I believe this, we've got to make sure if we're going to tell the world about Jesus Christ, then we ought to have a joy in our heart. We ought to have a song on our lip before we start telling someone how great Jesus is, because if we can't show it, they're not going to believe it. Paul and Silas decided to sing. Oh, I think of a song. I, I know this wasn't the song. It wasn't written. But I, I wonder if they sang songs like, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Could you imagine Paul and Silas? At midnight, if, those, if there were two people that had something to complain about, it could have been them. If there were two people that could have said, God, I don't understand. We are preaching the gospel and you're going to let us go through this? If, if there were two men that had something that could have had a, 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 an, a, a, an odd against God for saying, why would you allow this? It's these two men, but instead they sang songs like this. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus tis now. I want to encourage you, church, as you're going through difficulties, instead of letting the world know how awful your situation is, why don't you let the world know how wonderful your Jesus is? Instead of complaining about the, the, the lot in life that we've been given, why don't we praise about the redemption that we have through Jesus Christ? When they began to sing... That's when the earthquake happened. It's when they began to sing, the earthquake happened. And they were released from that prison cell. God forbid we not be a praising church. You know, we need to be careful, church. You know, the world we live in is so divisive 
There, there, there were some things that came out of 2020, some things that came out of COVID that has not been good. I, I, I think that we're, we're so divided. I, I think there's things that have come out of the political climate in our country that, that aren't good. We're so negative. There, there's this fighting spirit in us, but it's not fighting against the enemy, it's fighting against each other. And instead of it, we using it as a fight toward the enemy, families are divided, churches are divided, friendships are divided, God's work has been hurt. We, we need to be careful. God forbid we ever become a place that is full of complaining, but we ought to be a church that's full of praises. Oh, this week, listen to me, we could talk all week long, all day long about things that happened this past week, or we can decide that we are going to spend our time praising Jesus Christ for his goodness. We can talk all about the things we don't like, or we can choose to thank God for redeeming us, for saving us, for placing us in the land's book of life, for giving us a home in glory, for making us his child, for making us a child of the king. We have something to be thankful for. We have something to praise God for. God forbid we not. First of all, we see there's victory in singing about the redemptive work of God. Then secondly, I want you to see this. There's victory, a song in singing of the wrath of God. Look what he says here in uh, verse number four. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou art holy. How many of you would say God is holy? Would you say amen to that? He's holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, a temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. That temple of the tabernacle, that's the holy of holies in heaven. It's opened. And as, as John sees the holies of holies opened in heaven, seven angels came out of the temple. And as the seven angels came out of the temple, each of them had a plague, the seven plagues, clothed in pure white and linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. And from his power... And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. And so as John is looking in heaven, we've been reading about what's been happening on earth. In chapter 16, we'll look back again what's happening upon the earth. But for a moment in heaven, John gives us a glimpse as the great tribulation is unfolding here upon the earth. John kind of goes back and forth. He, he describes what's happening on earth, and then he, he, he gives us a glimpse of what's happening in heaven. And during the seven-year tribulation, as people are being killed, as, as people are being martyred, as persecution is coming, as, as, the, as the saints of God that are being killed here upon this earth are entering into heaven, there's a song that they're singing. There's rejoicing that's taking place. And then, and then John says, these angels come out of this temple in heaven. And they're given these vials or these bowls. These vials, in each of these bowls is the wrath of God. 
There's not a single sin. You mark this down. There is not a single sin that will not go unpunished. You know, here we find this. The Bible says this, that there, as God begins to pour his wrath out upon this earth, this is the last, the last of the plagues. What's going to happen upon the earth has already been death and destruction. But what the earth is going to see now through these last vials that are poured out upon the earth is, is even more severe. You know, each of us, we see sin, so much sin in our world. We see so much destruction. We see so much death. I hate to even turn the news on anymore because it seems like all the news anymore is who got murdered, who got raped, who got killed, how, what happened here, and, and, and pretty much the demise of humanity. You can get into a place, and if you've been here, you're in good company where someone can say today, where is God through all of this? And people have asked that question. Where, where is God? If God is a loving God, why is he allowing this to happen? Why is he allowing murders to take place? Why doesn't, why doesn't God just do something? I want you to understand something. There's no sin that's going to go unpunished. You may wonder, where is God? I want you to know that God is on his throne. And God's timing is always right. And God is not slack concerning his promise, but he is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But God, although he is long-suffering, God is going to pour his wrath out upon this earth. And we see it in chapter 15 where God says, okay, enough is enough. My saints have been killed. Satan has had a heyday. Mankind has rejected the lamb. Sin is going to be paid. And God begins to pour his wrath out. These seven angels come from the temple. That white robe that we find them in, it speaks of righteous judgment. These, these angels are golden girdles. That speaks of sovereign judgment. That golden girdle speaks of priesthood and the kinghood. And, and the bowels of bowls of wrath or the vials of wrath speaks of a solemn judgment that's going to take place. And the Bible says this, no one can enter in until God is finished. That speaks of a sure judgment. You mark it down. This will happen. No one is getting away with sin. Oh, we look at the, the, the kingdoms and the governments of this world and we wonder, how are people getting away with this? You, you, you look at the, what's happening, even in our own government system, and you think to yourself, how could they get away with this? I want you to understand, no one is going to get away with sin. No one is going to get away with sin. You might be involved in something here today, and you might think that you're getting away with it. I want you to understand something. No one gets away with sin. You might be sitting here today thinking, I've gone this far, and I've not been caught. I've gone this far, and that no one's going to find this out. I've covered it real good. I want you to understand, no one gets away with sin. There's coming a day 
where God says enough is enough. His judgment is sure. No one will enter into this temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels are fulfilled. You know what it's saying there? God has had enough. And judgment's going to come. In this chapter 16, and I'll go through this quickly. Chapter 16, we find these seven vials or these seven bowls. Think of these vials as bowls of each bowl has got a different plague in it that is poured out upon this earth. The first vial that we see in verse number one, in verse number two, look with me if you would of chapter 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out these bowls of wrath of God upon the earth. So these angels will leave heaven. And in these vials, or in these bowls, there's a plague. And one by one, they begin to pour these plagues out upon the earth. This is the last of the plagues. This is the last of God's wrath. The first vial he pours out in verse number two, and first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome of grievous sores upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped his image. The first wrath of God, all those, all those that took the mark of the beast, that mark that they took is going to become a disease. The mark is going to turn into an incurable disease or incurable sore. The second vial that's poured out in verse number three, after these that took the mark, so every single human being that took that mark now has these sores upon them. And there's nothing they can do. There's no medication they can take. There's no vaccine they can be given. This is a, the wrath of God being poured out. The second vial that's poured out is poured out upon the sea. And, it's and it became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. That second angel pours that out and everything within the sea begins, becomes poisonous and all sea life within the sea dies. This not only will cause great famine and great stench and great disease because of all of the, the, the plague now that's in the sea, now the mankind has these sores upon them that can't be cured. And now the, all the life, all the disease that's coming, the water. Not only is that to see, then look what the third vial is. The third vial in verse number four, and a third angel poured out the vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the waters. This would be drinking water. So the seas, you could, you could think of the seas would be like the oceans, the salt water that maybe we don't drink, but we get food from. And now all of our drinking water, our fresh water is diseased as well, became as blood. Look, look at the fourth vial. The fourth vial is the sun begins to burn. You talk about global warming, this is it. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath poured over the, these plagues 
and they repented not to give him glory. Here we find one of the most saddest verses. Mankind is going to see God's wrath. They've experienced God's love and God's mercy and God's grace, and they denied the lamb. And now God's gonna pour out his wrath and they're still gonna deny him. Hear me, if you won't trust the lamb through God's love, you're not gonna trust it through his wrath. If you're sitting here today and you don't see God's mercy and God's grace and God's long suffering, and that doesn't draw you to Jesus, then the wrath of God's not gonna draw you either. It just hardens these men's hearts. Verse 10 and 11 tells us of this fifth vial that's poured out, this fifth bowl, this angel pours out his vial upon the seat of the beast or upon his kingdom. And his, his kingdom was full of darkness. That darkness is not absent light, it's spiritual. Meaning this, and I'll, I'll show you, they gnawed their tongues for pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. What's going to happen is this. Now these, the, the beast, they're in pain and, and, and all that follow him, all the kingdoms of the world. And now there's going to happen, this next vial is gonna be poured out upon them. It is just total wickedness. Verse number 12 through 16, that sixth vial, look what it is. And the sixth angel poured out this bowl upon the great river Euphrates, and the water therefore dried up, and the way the kings of the east might be prepared. You say, what's the point of that? Remember I talked about the 200 million man army that's gonna come? I believe this, it's gonna be China. And, and, and right now, well, the one thing that's keeping Israel is the, is the waterway. It's difficult to get all of the personnel, but they're gonna walk from China in the great far east, walk right through Iraq and Iran and, 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 and into Israel, into the valley of Armageddon, and there'll be nothing stopping them. All the kingdoms of the world, what's going to happen? That sixth vial is poured out. And as that sixth vial is poured out, there's unclean spirits that are gonna come out from, the, from under the waters of the Euphrates River. And they're going to fill these, the dragon and, and the beast and the false prophet. And they're going to now begin to cause the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world to go against God. And all the nations of this world are gonna to gather together in Armageddon. Look in verse number 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, or the Valley of Armageddon. All the nations of the world are gonna come for one reason. They've had it with God. The armies of the world are gonna battle God. And that seventh vial then, or that seventh bowl is gonna be poured out. And as that angel pours this last plague out, the Bible says this, there came a great voice of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. God's wrath has been poured out. 
There were voices and thunders and lightning, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty on earthquake and so great. The great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. The great Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Every island fled away. The mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And what does man do? Blaspheme God because of the plague of hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. I tell you, as I read this passage of scripture, my heart just is grieved. It's grief for those that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and continues to reject. It grieves because you don't have to experience the wrath of God. But these men, time after time after time, God sends the two prophets to preach and proclaim Jesus Christ, and they're killed. God sends 144,000 to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're persecuted and killed. God finally says it's done. It's done. Long-suffering has ended. Judgment has come. But those that have been redeemed have a song of victory. We have a song of victory in God's works. We have a song of victory in God's wrath. Church, I would say for us, let's not wait till we get to heaven to sing of God's greatness. Let's learn to do it now. Let's stop the, the pettiness. Let's stop the complaining. Let's stop the woe is me. Let's stop the critical spirit. The world sits in darkness. Christians need to have a song. At midnight, when Paul is beaten, when Paul is whipped and his bloodied back, Paul sings a song. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.